welcome back to the Renowned Leadership Podcast, where we bring you insightful conversations with other inspiring leaders who share their stories and their wisdom to help you become a better leader. And today is no exception. Today, we are excited to bring you Mr. Manny Vargas. Manny is an entrepreneur, sales coach, and speaker who has a wealth of experience in building successful businesses, networking with high net worth individuals and adapting to different environments and personalities. In our conversation with Manny, he's gonna dive deep into his journey from growing up in Las Vegas, where he had dreams of becoming a professional ball player, to his career in the hospitality industry, and his eventual journey into sales and entrepreneurship. Manny shares how he developed his natural ability to connect with people and communicate his strategies for building relationships with successful mentors and peers, and his approach to managing high risk and making bold decisions. We also explore Manny's passion for personal growth and self-development, his decisions to help others break free from their doubts and fears, and all the free resources he offers on his website, alwaysonthegrow.com. The website is specifically designed to help people on their journey, whether it be in sales or just communication in general. But before we get into the conversation with me, I want to remind you about the renowned leadership group coaching program. In this program, you'll learn effective communication strategies to help you connect with your team and manage problem employees. You'll develop new skills and strategies to help you achieve your goals and advance your career. You'll gain access to a supportive community of like-minded leaders who can offer guidance and support. You'll receive regular feedback and you'll be held accountable to help you stay on track and achieve your goals and so much more. And for a limited time, if you enter the coupon code COACHING360, that's COACHING360 at checkout, you'll get the first month of group coaching plus all the other benefits that come with the program absolutely free for one month. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Manny Vargas. And after the episode, be sure to head over to Manny's website, alwaysonthegrow.com and check out all the free resources he has to offer you. And don't forget to visit renownedleadership.com to learn more about our group coaching program and get your special offer while we're still running it. I've been told from uh, mutual friends of ours, but I've never actually heard your story. And I hear your story is pretty awesome. So if you would take us back as far as you as you want. But how, how did you end up where you are today? What, what was the road for, for Manny? Well, if you're going to ask me like that, man, I'm going to say it was Las Vegas Boulevard, right? Right <laughs> on the right, right, right on the center strip out here in the beautiful city. And I'm I'm still adjusting to my new mic setup and my tall desk, so I'm going to you know play down here, come up here once in a while, back off. But it's a loaded answer for me that I could spend a lot of time on to explain 
where I came from, um, but I'll do my best to add it up in sequence in more of a timeline format so you can understand what went on there. You know, there's a lot of little nuances in life that that, that kind of take place in the middle of it. Um, but I always have fun with it because because I I I, I um, eat, sleep, you know, and you can finish the rest there, Vegas. And uh, I love this town so much. It's still home for me. We're raising a family here now. And part of my upbringing, or should I say all of my upbringing, was was really baked right there in the middle of all the liveliness, just not too far from the boulevard itself. And so, you know, life happens, right? Traumas happen. Things get the best of you. And I didn't realize this until, you know, obviously much later down the road, but, you know, from a young age, I had many adversities, um, a car wreck, you know, for those of you on video, you can see the big scar on my face. It still runs nicely right there. Um, asthma attack that, you know, was putting me in the hospital, toughness of breathing, very, very tough to deal with as a kid. Mom was out of my life from a young age. And then she actually ended up passing away when I was 10 from cancer. And so that put a big dent into, uh, you know, sort of that created a void in my life from a, from more of a motherly slash nurturing type of a standpoint. Um, and little do you know, when you're young, you don't really know how this stuff adds up until you grow up and you figure out life down the road. You're like, ah, oh, that's why I was so jacked up. That's right. why I was so <laughs> such an asshole to girls and wanted to, you know, smack them when I got drunk and all these other different things. And we'll get there. Um, so those kind of few first few steps, uh, it's like I said, born in Vegas, you know, thankful for that. Dad was a rock star, raised me on his own, had a troop around him, family support. But dad liked to have fun too. Dad got into some some crazy things and, you know, had his had his vices, um, but but maintained a level of stability and helping raise me and, and really put some belief in me that that created this um this almost effect that I could be somebody someday. And it's funny because I also share the story about when my dad used to watch all his favorite movies when I was a kid, I'd be there right beside him watching, you know, Van Damme or Steven Seagal and these different guys or, you know, even females in their respective movies, just like win and crush it and save the day and beat all the bad guys. And I'm like, damn, that looks pretty cool, man. I think that, I think that, uh, you know, I want to be one of those guys one day, not like literally fighting people and kicking their A SS's, but the result, the effect of that. And then I found myself watching sports games when I was younger in our local television stations that it was the Atlanta Braves. It was the Chicago Cubs. And if somebody hit a walk-off home run, I watched the guy trot around the bases in this full stadium of 40, 50,000 people cheering, going crazy. And I said, that's what I want that. I just, I just had this predetermined feeling that something big was coming. Um, and so those sort of, Kept continuing down the timeline. Like I said, mom passed away when I was 10. Baseball saved me. I did play. I ended up going away to college in San Francisco for it. But the moment that I got away from home and kind of had my own freedoms, um, I started getting into the drinking, partying. In college, to start off with, I would miss my base, my baseball games, and just, you know, I'd be passed out, blacked out, drunk. I would literally, I literally was sleeping in the dorm room of our building, um, and I was supposed to be about 40 miles south at a game at the time I woke up and I said, oh, shit. And the coaches <laughs> laughed about it after the fact, straight up. Coaches were, I mean, I got text messages, I got calls. 
and they joked about it afterward. They said, Vargas is either dead or he's wasted. And I was like, well, number two, man, I'm wasted. I was wasted. And so that happened on several occasions when I was away in college. And so, you know, I, uh, I didn't last too long. I thought I, I had a destiny to be a ball player. It was one dream I carried, man, was to be a professional ball player, like at the highest level. I, I remember that. I always thought big. I always thought world changing. And unfortunately, that path came to a close for me. And, you know, it was tough for me because growing up, all I identified with was being a professional sports player. So in in the in the days in college, after I bounced around a little bit uh, in San Francisco, I ended up quitting. And then I ended up moving back home to Las Vegas. And that's when I got involved in the hospitality industry. It was like my first job. Uh, I was fortunate enough to start off in a good restaurant in MGM. You know, it just so happened that the the GM and, and the AGM liked sports guys. Because if you could play sports, you could really kind of be a team player. You had the grit. You had the the will and sort of the fight to get in, in there and compete. And so they appreciated that. And I got my first gig there. Same time. So I'm, you know, what, 18, 19, 19, I get this job. I'm in Vegas. You know, I just start this, this spiral. So now I'm making good money. I'm a kid. You know, I'm back in Vegas. I came, came back home from college. Making you know three four five thousand dollars a month in tips cash, I'm like God, I don't have any any bills to pay. So it's like, oh, well, what do I do with all this? So because I wanted to fit in and be a part of the 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 cool school, I ended up going to hang out with other people that were working in the restaurant, and they just happened to know bartenders around town. So we would go out to the bars. I didn't I didn't have an ID because I wasn't 21. So they would just be like, oh, he's with me, he's cool. Bartenders didn't care. And then in that phase. I was obviously still drinking and having fun on that level, but then I started getting into the gambling thing and I was like, Oh man, this is kind of fun. Like I can risk my money because I don't have anything to worry about, but I also make good money. So I might as well just keep putting it in the machines and see if I can get rich like this. Right. Let me see if I can create something spectacular out of it. Little that I know at that time, that was a very bogus belief about how to make money. Um, and I always credit, I always credit, the the experience I had in so let me go back a second an experience I had when I was in high school transitioning to college to go to San Francisco I went and spent a summer in Europe with my aunt um, who was my mom's sister and her husband at the time was very successful right and they had built a very successful company and they lived large like very lavishly but because they had already figured this whole game out of building companies and businesses. And so I went to visit them in Europe, in Switzerland, and I got my first taste of what that life looked like. Because for me, I was only, you know, maybe middle class, lower income class. So I really never was exposed to any of that. So my way of thinking was really just like, this is it. And then I saw something else and I was like, whoa, this could be. And so I look back now and I start to realize like, hey, um, okay, well, that was destiny combined with like a new way of seeing the world. And so then as part of that journey in those in those restaurants that I was working at in, in the middle of getting into gambling and in the middle of partying myself off, I started exploring how to build businesses. Like I was like, well, if I want to create that life that they have, he built a company, I have to figure out how this business thing works. And so I basically went tirelessly to work on starting companies at like 19 and 20, I was like, okay, well, I know restaurants because I'm in a, like, I might as well just start there. Like, that's the best thing I can do right now. And so like, what, why don't I just start going out and try to figure out what restaurant idea Las Vegas needs? Um, and so I was the kid that would literally walk up to the restaurant owners 
that own the restaurants. These guys are multimillionaires. They got big corporate deals with these casinos. Like they're big wigs. And I was like, hey, man, you want to sit down and talk about my restaurant idea? And they're like, aren't you the busboy? Like, dude, aren't you supposed to be, you know, picking up tables and, and all that stuff? I'm like, yeah, but man, let me just show you. Like, I got some cool stuff. And so I was very persistent in finding people and aligning myself with people that played at a high level um, in these different environments. And so somewhere along the way, I was able to understand that people uh, and connection mattered a lot. And I was able to start surrounding myself with people that played at a high level. And so in, in that pursuit, um, obviously I, I was still drinking and partying. I had no control over it because of many of the things that were evidence of my past that, you know, now started to compound as sort of a loose, I have no identity, no direction type of a guy, aside from this kind of business, I want to start to get going gambling. And then I got into nightlife. So one of the biggest and best nightclubs still today is still rocking here in Vegas was opening up and a buddy of mine had sent me a message and he's like, yo, dude, this new club's opening up. Like, why don't we apply and see if we can get it? And so we did. And I'm talking like the whole world wanted to work here. And so of, you know, I think like 40, 40 to 50 bus boys, runners for the nightclub, you know, 90% of them had known somebody already in the industry. And then here comes my buddy and I, and we just rip through and we get the job. Like, and do we're, we're just like living on cloud nine because, you know, when you're, early twenties and you get a nightclub job like that, dude, you're surrounded by hot chicks. It's party and you get all this stuff for free, all these cool things, these perks and whatnot start to unfold themselves for you. And so that became life at 23, 24. I didn't give up my business ideas. I took it to another level because part of my decision to get in the nightclub was one, I only work a few days a week. I make good money. That gives me the rest of my days to work on my business and travel for my business if I need to, my to-be business. And then secondly, it was a place where I knew, yeah, it was a place that I knew a lot of rich people would hang out because they were coming there to spend their money and a lot of it, right? They like they had no regrets or or no hesitations to come into the nightclub and spend 10, 20, 50, 100 grand. And I was like, well, this could be a connection point for me, man. All I have to do is be myself and ask people what they do for a living. You know, do they invest? Are they business guys? And sure enough, I met, dude, I, I have, I have like a, a stack of napkins, like this tall, it's probably like over two feet of numbers and, and emails and stuff that I was just sourcing from table guests all the time. And people would always make fun of me. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you always talking to people about business? You're like, you're gay. Why are you talking to these guys? And I'm like, dude, I'm here, I'm here to, you know, follow the dream, man. Like I ain't here just to be a busboy. Um, the owners of the club, I approached them. I met with them. I mean, I'm just like hustling, hustling, hustling. And um, around that time, you know, I started getting into this whole mix of electronic dance music because we were kind of the epicenter of bringing in all the DJs. Like our nightclub was the epicenter at first before some of the other mega nightclubs started opening. So you talk about David Guetta, Calvin Harris, Tiesto, Avicii, Deadman. I'm like, I can go the whole list played at our nightclub every night. So like, I'm starting to get familiar with this culture of dance music. And so then I'm like, well, what if I start taking these drugs that everybody's suggesting? And so, dude, it felt too good. I had too much trauma underneath me. Life was freaking sexy and fun. And so now I'm drinking, now I'm gambling, and now I'm partying and taking drugs every night for a living. And it's like, whoa like think about that thrill it was it was by the way my 20s 
I don't have any regrets because I lived a lot of fun life and I got a lot of great experience. And it just so happens that the place that I was working at that nightclub, people that worked in that nightclub ended up becoming my first investors in the restaurants that I bought. So in the middle of all this craziness at 25, I ended up opening up three restaurants here in Vegas. Some of the people that I worked with were investors in in, in the business with me because they saw how hungry I was and how committed I was to building these projects. And you know whether that was a, um, a busboy that was next to me that found his way into some money or the waitresses that some of them invested because they made lots of great money at that time. Uh, we're willing to commit to that. And so mid twenties, I ended up becoming a restaurant owner, lost them quick. I mean, it was super fast. Like, just like that. Um, as fast as the plane took off and went down because I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. Dude, I'd, I'd rather, this was just young and dumb. I would have rather gone out to the festival EDC Las Vegas when I'm supposed to be running and figuring out my business. And I have the idea of being a business owner was much cooler than actually running and growing a company. And so life's lessons, um, it's not so sexy with, when you actually get into it, is it? It's not. It well, it wasn't. It's. I don't think it still is. By the way, yeah. It's 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 still it's still tough. By the way, I was just telling this to somebody the other day. The I don't think people understand the level of difficulty that I have to sit here in an office area at a desk and work on a computer to build a dream because that's what's required, right? Now again to each its own, the lifestyles they create, things they do. My lifestyle for a decade was go out, take people out, have fun, party, drink, dance, club. Like that's how I got paid. And now I'm supposed to sit at a desk and write and produce and make content and do all these different things and think. Like I got paid to not think, to get high. I'm like, so imagine the, the shift. It's like straight, I'm not kidding when I say that. It's like, I literally got paid to party. I didn't have to think. My work was just muscle. Like I could pick up a bucket of crafts, pour some some uh, orange juice and I'd be good, right? So it wasn't like you had to use your mind, which has been one of the toughest things for me in terms of transformation. Anywho, I digress there. But that taught me a lot. And then after losing the businesses, the restaurants, about a year and a half, um, I went back into working again. I got a job at the airport as a food and beverage manager. I hated it. At the same time, I was, you know, losing my girlfriend at the time that I truly adored and loved, and just, you know, it was falling and collapsing because I was a hot mess. I was still partying and drinking, and basically, you know, self sabotaging everything. Um, uh, what was that? Car got repossessed. Didn't have a place to live. Had to move back in with my dad. Um, I was taking literally bottles to the head every night. Um, and then eventually, uh, that kept going, just, it just kept parting some more, all kinds of cocaine, kinds of Molly ecstasy, all that good stuff going out to really just like, let the pain fly with just use all the, the, the drugs and the drinking to cover it up. And then, um, in 20, in, in 2015, you know, it was just kind of compounding. It got really, really heavy and, there was a lady that had came to visit me from Europe and um, I really liked the girl and we had a great time in California. We went on a little small vacation during Halloween. Then we came back, I had a really wealthy friend in town. We went out and partied, you know, we had the best tables at the nightclub, front dance, dance stage, center stage. We had all the drugs we wanted. And of course, like in my traditional fashion, I got just annihilated, wasted high and drunk and then wake up the next day. Right. So that was common for me, like get really high blackout, 
forget the night, wake up the next day feeling like absolute shit and then go, what happened? Right. And so on this particular day, she was there next to me in the bed and she was just looking at me like I was crazy. And I stopped to myself like, what, what's up? And then she just went on this rant about what I did to her the night before that I didn't have no recollection of. So like, she was like, dude, you tried to throw me out of a moving taxi cab. You were trying to fight me and push me and punch me. And I'm like, seriously? And that's not who I am. That's not who I am at all. Like when I'm sober, I'm a kind hearted, loving type of guy. But I had realized in that moment, like that was it because at that moment I had this sort of, you know, a cartoon book to just flip through every image in my life that made me realize how much I lost because of this type of behavior that I was using that she had put up to my face and gave me the mirror to. And I said, that's it. Like, I am not going to keep going through this. I'm not going to keep losing things that I value and I appreciate. And then that day I decided that, you know what, I'll start small, ask myself one question, what's causing this. And the, the what's causing this uh, was the drinking. And so when I drank, that's when I couldn't control the gambling. I couldn't control the drugs. If I didn't drink, which was rare that I did not drink, um, I was good. I was like a normal human being. I was like two opposite bipolar personalities of me, um, you know, two-faced almost to say. And so I was tired of living my life that way because I knew deep down inside of me, I had some greatness and some big destiny. And then made the decision to get sober and then just kind of went on this quest, man. And this quest led me forward to, um, you know, start revealing who I was truly inside of myself. Lots of personal growth, lots of reading, lots of writing, wrote the book, started the podcast. Then I went and traveled the country for three, uh, two years speaking on stages around the country, mind you with no experience. This is just part of, you know, my DNA, um, was very fortunate there that I came back to Vegas and started working in a phone room, making phone calls because I wanted to get skilled up in, in, in sales really did good in that situation in a matter of a couple months. And then I went on to run a celebrity brand and sports division of that company, calling into Hollywood, working deals with celebrities, agents, and managers. Funny. I just was texting one right now. Tomorrow I'm interviewing um, a real housewives of New Jersey cast member. So we're going to be doing that. So I still got these great relationships with, with people that I was working with over there. Um, and then, you know, then it was like, okay, I seem to be on this good track professionally. And then COVID came around. I left that job, started working on my own stuff, started helping other people sell a bunch of high ticket programs. And then I really had a tough time, you know, really kind of digging my teeth into some stuff for my own sake on business again, because I think I had been scarred from my previous experiences. And I still think I had some unresolved trauma in there that was really helping me doubt myself and not believe in myself. And then I threw in a relationship on top of that. And I had to, I mean, so I was trying to find my way in business and navigate that. Plus also welcome into my life, a new relationship. And that was challenging in the circumstances that we were in. So it was very, very pressured. And so it, it, it caused me to have, you know, these, these adverse reactions in terms of how I was moving my life forward versus when I didn't have any of that. So it's like, if I had just myself to worry about in my own navigation, I was good because I was in my own lane. I didn't have to anything to worry about. I had to add, you know, the relationship and this, this new idea of doing my own business stuff was, was quite scary altogether. Um, we got through that after about a year and a half, you know, I can say we're, we're happily engaged at this point. Um, looking forward to the next chapter there. And then we ended up getting pregnant and have a baby. And um, that's been a whole new 
way of looking at life for me. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, as you see behind me, I'm a, a full representation of what it is that, that's behind me is, uh, which is always on the grow, right? So at this point in my life, I've realized like, I want to be at peace, but I can still move forward towards my goals, but I don't want to have this inner conflict that's just creating this stirring effect that puts me unease, right? I want to be at ease. I want to be at peace while still going at things. I don't want to have these grudges and these judgments and these regrets and these shames and these guilts. And so big part of my life today is to still keep moving forward in the vision, but also realize that, you know, it's, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's professional, it's financial. Um, and, and all these other pieces that come together at the same time. So, yeah, man, I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I could have probably drawn that out for about two your podcast would be over, man, if I drew that out any longer. I mean, and I, and I can get into some gory details, man, and really have some more fun with that. But as, as far as the first 20 minutes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take a breath, man. <laughs> no, that, that's talk great stuff. Uh, yeah, I know you can. And for those of you that don't, well, most of you don't know Manny probably, but uh, he's always like this. Like every time I, I've met Manny or talked to Manny, he's just hundred miles an hour, tons of energy, which is probably one of the reasons why he did so well in sales. Um, <clears throat> but I want to bounce back to something you said when you're talking about your early life in the nightclub. Um, one of the reasons you said you wanted to go there is because you knew that that's where the rich people are going to hang out, right? How important is it? You know, because, you know, a lion doesn't hang out with other lions, right? Or, I'm sorry, it doesn't hang out with tigers. It hangs out with other lions, right? How important is it to surround yourself with what you want to become so that you learn to act and be like a lion, be like what you want to be? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so the short answer is it's everything, right? And I want to go back to what you just said a few seconds ago, because I don't like, you'll see something about me. I'm a, like a real time troubleshooter. And I really like to do what I can to the very best effect for the people that are listening. And so when you said, Hey, Manny, you're always like this. Um, you probably have seen me like this because in the environment that you and I have interacted, this is what's required of me right? Like this is, this is that part of my life where it's, it's a stage for me and I'm here to show up for you. Right. Right. There's times, there's times where I'm at home and I'm quiet. Right. And I'm just in my own peaceful place. Like and if sometimes I'm in a conversation, I'm more passive, I'm laid back. What I'm doing is I'm really orienting myself to the situation and what the situation requires of me. Like I'm going to bring it for you and your audience. Right. And that's, almost like what a performer would do. But I don't want people to understand, to, to look at this from a position of like not being authentic. I'm just sharing it from a position of situational awareness, right? What is it that I am in this moment required to do in this situation so that I can be a part of that environment to the best of my ability? And one of the things Stephen, that's helped me over time. And I think this really just is one of those gifts that God gave to me, which was I can adapt into almost any environment and become something for that particular situation. Right. And so I just wanted to preface that, that like, yeah, this is me here, but I'll probably walk off of here, take a deep breath 
and calm and collect myself and then make a shift to start another activity. Um, if I'm in a room where, uh, you know, it's quiet, it's more formal, I might have a different demeanor, right? Because what I'm doing is I'm reading the room, I'm feeling out certain things. And in this situation, I know it's just you and I, but I do realize the importance of the experience that people are having either visually or aud audibly here uh, with us. So it's like, I really try to understand that from that perspective. So I just wanted your people to know that um, it is a, it's, it's a shifting that takes place inside of me. Now, before you it. answer, before we move on, um, that's actually really cool because that's one of the first things you taught me about sales. Whenever, whenever you're trying to sell, you have to gauge the personality. You have to gauge the environment you're in and you have to kind of adapt yourself and become that environment so that you can be successful in, in yourself. Otherwise it's just, it's going to be friction and you're going to get kicked right out. Yeah, I think, I, I think a word to qualify that as like a chameleon it can blend in in its environment. And where I think that comes from is just a lot of practice. And, you know, a lot of people, if, if you were, you know, almost a genius, you would think about what I shared with you earlier about my experience in Vegas. What isn't stated there is the fact that I interacted with people from all over the world nightly. Like my job was to figure out, all right, you know, if, if Quran came in from India, which was very normal, like it was my duty to go there and meet Quran on his level and be a part of his world in Vegas and then learn about him at the same time. And so I'm like, I'm processing just so many different data points from so many different types of individuals from around the world when they came to my city, my city, baby, this is my town. Right. And so I think that that helped drive my ability over time when I started to get more formally skilled in sales. So then I was able to just to blend the two of what that helped me understand with now the skill sets, which made me even more dynamic in my ability to communicate with people and connect with people. Right. Because that's how I look at it. It's just for me, it's just connecting and communicating. Right. And so the connecting part for me in more natural God-given ways does tend to happen for me more naturally. I don't know that I can teach you exactly how I can do it. And I feel super thankful and privileged and blessed in that capacity. But I also know that it just doesn't stop there. There's got to be so much more that's added to that puzzle to make it a beautiful piece of artwork once it's done. So hopefully that sets it up. Because again, I don't want to let the idea go off for people like, oh, you know, it's like, what's he not saying? So it's like, I, I really try to think at the depth of helping people understand that, yeah, for me, it might seem easy, but there's also some natural inborn things there that are, are a part of that, that also are supported by some of the more modern day activities and actions that I've taken to help really build up a, a really solid way to interact with people. Solid. I like it. And, and I mean, so... Well, let me go back. Let me go. Let me go. Let me, let me finish the, the people thing. The people oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, no, no, it's all good, man. I want to, I want to, I want to <laughs> be able to go, you know, you just kind of, kind of touched on the, the level of importance of uh, being around the right people and, and, um, you know, getting in those environments. And for me, you know, where I am today 
it, it, it could be done, I believe, on my own, but I don't ever really believe that it's ever on your own, right? So it's like, you know, you ever hear these people that say, I'm a self-made millionaire. It's like, well, no, you're not, because you probably trained and learned under and been coached mm -hmm. by. It's like, it's just, I think that's egomaniac type stuff. But every step of the way for me, I have looked up ahead and identified giants that have gone before me. And then done my best in everything to go and surround myself with them and find myself in those circles one way or the other. I still do it to this day, man. Um, I just was on a phone call this morning with a guy that has built a ridiculously successful event company. I mean, to the tune of a lot, like massive stadium size type stuff. And he was just sharing some stuff with me. And I said, dude, I'd love to learn from you, man. I mean, like I'll, I'll, I'll come out to your place. I'll smoke a cigar with you and just understand business. Cause, cause you got it. And I'm like, I dig it. So that's also a part of it where you can't be unwilling to go and put yourself out there regardless of what stage you're at. And so at a young age, I realized that being around people that had the money that would be able to invest. And if I could demonstrate to them that I was willing and hungry and able enough that I would start to get some attention towards those types of people wanting to pour into me. And then I think, again, by virtue of just being in Vegas and taking people out, I started to realize like, I want to be around people that were successful. It was that simple. I just want to be around people that are successful because, and again, I can't pinpoint why that was the case, but I just knew that that's how I approached it. Um, and so I just went and started communicating with them, started putting myself in front of them when I was younger by the way, I, I still do the same thing today. I have no fear of doing that today. It's like, look, there's, you just never know where your next opportunity can come from. You never know where your next deal can come from. You never know what kind of a, an opportunity uh, to do business together with somebody can come from just by putting yourself out in the way of it, right? And I think a lot of people, they get complacent in those things that um, that can really help them have more of a multiplier, and those have been multipliers for me. Me traveling the country and speaking was me getting under the wing of somebody else that believed in me. My sales and, and communication skills today have been because of who I've learned under. I've learned under literally the giants of the sales and marketing industry that are my friends and mentors. Not that some, I didn't pay any of these guys. I literally worked for them at their companies or they are just mentors of mine and friends I can call up right now that have taught me. And I just think that they were able to, like, I just got in at the right time with the right people and they were willing to scoop me in uh, at the beginning of my process. And I made them know that they were the star and helping me get better. Always gave them the, the recognition that they deserved and always let them know. And I think the best thing you can do for somebody like that is to do stuff and like become somebody or do something. And I was constantly proving that, that I was ready to go and still, you know? And so um, that's so important, man. I, I, I mean, if, 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 if you can't, if you're stuck somewhere, go find somebody that's successful in your area or wherever you're at and simply say, Hey man, what can I do for you? Like, how can I wash your shoes? Can I clean your car? I don't care. I just, I just, I just need to get the hell out of where I'm at. Cause I'm, I'm not liking it. And some guy I heard on the radio or podcast or whatever said, come on, talk to these successful people. I was like, shit, I might as well listen to this guy. He said, he kind of sounds like he knows what we're talking about. So I figured I'd try. What do you think? And you might say no. And then like, dang it, come back the next day. Try again. He says, get the hell out of here. What I told you? No, second time. Okay, great. Third day, come back again. Fourth day, five. Dude, I'm telling you, at some point they break and they're like, all right, whatever you want. Come on, get your ass in here. Let's go. Got to do this type of thing, right? It's just certain virtues work, man. They just work.
So. Yeah, right on. And I'm a firm believer of that. I'm also, uh, something else you mentioned was about your network. And, you know, to, to me, success isn't isn't financial. It's not how many houses you own. It's not property. It's it's one year. My, my success is determined by my influence and by my network. Um, I can't, I read it in a book somewhere. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, so, somewhere along through the book, it said uh, your, your network equals your net worth. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that 100%. Yeah, man. As, as you've demonstrated. You can call, I, I can call, look, I can lose everything tomorrow. I can go to zero and I can call up people we know. I can call up 50 of the other people I know and say, hey, unfortunately, this happened. I'm on the rebound. Can we work together? Can we do something together? What can I help you with? And they're going to be like, dude, really? Let's go. Come on. You know, pick you right up. Let's go. And then you got to go in there and do stuff. Get it done. Right. It's just like that. But if I don't have that network, well, then if I'm if I'm calling my friend Joe, who goes to work every day and complains because life sucks to him and he's angry and pissed off because he's not doing anything. He's lazy, goes home, watches TV every day. By the way, if you do that, I'm not I'm not mad at you. It's just depending on what kind of lifestyle you want, what kind of quality of life you're you're working towards or what your vision is. And if that's your if that's your network, well then of course you're not going to raise above it where you're currently at because well, that's who you can call. Well, that that's not necessarily the best person to call. You might think so, but it's a full blown illusion, right? So you know again. And that requires, again, an extreme level of discomfort, man. I mean, that's just kind of the name of the game, you know? Sales is a lot of discomfort. It is not for everybody. It's really not. So, you know, um, you know. but but at the end of the day, it's like if you want to kind of write your own ticket, control your own destiny, I would say start with that. And so, um, but yeah, man, go ahead. Take the mic back, man. I'll keep going. <laughs> so so you, you, you were talking about when... God willing, it doesn't happen to you, obviously, but um, you're you're talking about losing everything, which makes me think of a question of <clears throat> how do you balance your risk management, your risk taking as an entrepreneur? Um, how do you balance that and, and how does that affect your decisions within your businesses? It's a really good question. Um, until... I have, until I have come into my recent relationship and now have a kid, I would say I didn't really think about it. I just did it. I really didn't quantify risk. I was like, well, I I can afford to take these chances. And if I go to zero or lose, at least I have the satisfaction of knowing that I went for something. Um, it's kind of like how when I used to gamble, I was like, well, I'll lose all my money. I will go back to the club the next night and make a bunch of money again in cash. And so I can keep replenishing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so up to a certain point, I really did not take that approach where I was balancing it. I was more like, I'm ready to jump and I don't care how far I fall. I'll be fine. Right. I'll pick myself back up. That's always kind of been my mentality. Recently, you know, it's, it's changed and shifted because now I have a partner that's kind of, you know, another set of eyes and ears to me. And she's like, well, Hey, wait a second. You know, you know, it's like, now we're here and you know, now we got a you know kid and it's like, okay, you know, and I'm like, no, hell with that. I'm, I'm, I'm staying true to who I am. You know, it's like, and it, <laughs> it, it, it pisses me off because my identity's wrapped up in that. It's like, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a risk taker. I'm always going to be a risk taker. And she's like, 
well, you know, there's two of us now, three of us. And so you got to kind of like, in the back of my head, I'm like, yes, you know, MF and all that stuff. Not like, yes, but not, you know, like I would ever do anything about it. Cause it's like, no, I don't, I'm gonna lose that part of myself because who I've come to know myself as. And so I'll still take chances, but I orient the, the risks that I take in a way where I know that, that, um, it's like, it's not life or death if we don't make this happen. Right. And by the way, you know, risks are relevant to tons of different subsets of life, right? So a business risk is, is going to be different than a risk of me jumping off the bed and sumoing my kid when he wants to wrestle, right? Just, you know, when we get there, there's different types of associated risks with different decisions that you're talking about. So depending on the situation, um, it would be more of a real-time thought process for me, Stephen, that I would take in order to determine what the next best step would be based on the context of my life and that moment and that time frame. And then you also have to consider, you know, that moment and that time frame. But then there's also a series of different things that happened leading up to that. There's a different series of things that are going to go forward that you have to think about and consider because that's the foresight. So as much as I would like to say that it's a cookie cutter approach, it's less than that. It's it's more it's it's more agile um with a combination of 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 insight and wisdom from previously made decisions and risk takings and also knowing that i still need to continue to take risks because i have to push myself to the point where i'm maxing myself out potential wise and i can't give up risks because in order to keep moving forward there's a lot of risk it's inherent and so um from that perspective, I would say that I take a less calculated approach and I take more of a, I'm downloading this in real time. And then I'm going to make my decision off of that type of thing. But I do make sure that I know that, you know, at this point, you know, my immediate family is we're on the same page. And if something I don't like uh, to hear or something, it's, it's going to come down to like, okay, well, I'm leading this ship. So there might be some sit back and some understanding and some Okay, I hear what you're saying, but the thinking pattern there might be just a little off. But because if I don't do this, then we don't the opportunity might fall between the cracks, and then you know we might miss this. It's like yeah, I kind of have to take that one. But if we don't make it, then what's going to happen? Well, we 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 might lose this. Uh, can we live with that? All right, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll live with that. Have we? Can we get past it? Yeah, of course. Okay, well then let's go for this thing, right? So uh, it's not an easy answer, man. It's 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 not something that you I, I, at least personally. Like I'm always taking from my own perspective, man. I always say this, like, this is how I see the world. My world of view is not the right way or the wrong way. It's just how I do it. Right. So it's like, that's what I love about these podcasts. Like you're doing, it's like bring these different people on and it's just different perspectives, right? It's just how they see right. things, what they do. You never know what's going to work for you. You might work for you. Might not. You might, you, you might take a giant risk after listening to me. It's like, God damn it. That Manny guy. I was like, God, damn. <laughs> I <laughs> promise you that's not going to happen. Go I see promise. Steven. <laughs> at least for me for, for me my and my, i'm sure 99 percent of everyone in the world that will tell me i'm an absolute idiot my, my risk tolerance comes from instinct and my instinct you know my my instincts got me through multiple war zones got me through all kinds of stuff i'm still alive i've learned to, to really rely on my gut instincts and uh right 
you know, I, I just passed on a pretty big deal. I can't tell you why. I just didn't feel good about it. I had zero peace mm. about this particular deal. And nothing was wrong on paper. It just, I didn't like it. Right. And so, right. you know. And that's fine. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, your, that's, that's your mechanism. Yeah. That, that, that's how I deal with it. So, <clears throat> I want to I want to shift a little bit. And because, uh, Manny, one of the, one of my favorite things about you is the way you speak. Uh, like you are one of the best communicators I think I've ever personally met um, in my life. You speak very elegantly. I don't want to say elegantly. I think that's, that's, that makes you sound a little foo-foo, but uh, you, you just, you're very clear, concise. You don't over explain how, how hard was it to develop your communication style because I don't I don't think it came that that the level at which you communicate I don't think it comes naturally I think I think that was something you had to work on and, and refine over the years you're spot on you're spot on man you know um I did not come up with the ideology that I was intelligent I believe that I was dumb I was not a smart kid growing up I cheated you know, 99% of the time. So like, again, like I said, for a decade, I just wasted my brain. Um, I had friends and a lot of my old communication was, you know, slang and F that and F this and just, you know, talking like Joe cool. And so you pointing that out, you know, if, 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 if you, if you, if you believe what I'm about to tell you and you, you just kind of do what I suggest, you can do to get better at it. This part of me has been a complete transformation. It is almost like I don't even recognize myself, but it was very simple. And when I first started going out and traveling the country, actually, let me take it back just a little bit before that. When I got sober and I started going on this journey of learning how to um, find myself, part of what I identified was that I wanted to be a speaker. And I wanted to share my story because I wanted to be on stage. And so I went out and found a voice coach. And the voice coach was here at Vegas. And we worked together. And she was helping me with different parts of the speaking process, whether that was the breathing, whether that was the voice, whether that was the exercising of these different things. But she stressed something very important. She's like, you need to work on your vocabulary. And I was like, wow, well, you know, that sucks to hear, but okay, let's figure this out. Cause that's where I was. I was willing to do whatever it took to get better. And she's like, read these books, right? Pride and Prejudice and some other just like super fancy books. I'm like, <laughs> the hell am I reading this for? Like, I, I don't want to read this crap. You know, it's like this super fantastic, poetic, and just, just, just deep. I mean, I'm talking books, you you know, you read in the, in the library, at, at, you know, of school and stuff like that. And so here I go and I'm like, okay, great. So I started going down that track at the same time she started, yeah, I don't have them right here with me, but I do have them here in the, in the, in the house somewhere. She gave me these other, oh, I forget what they were called, but they were essentially um, not tongue twisters, but something like that, but they were more full formed like paragraphs. And they were designed to help you learn how to speak and enunciate the words and hit the vowels and the different sounds of the words. And it was like, sir, like stuff that they, they use in acting. 
And so she was starting to give me the tools to practice this stuff, right? So what started off as like just the desire to speak better on stage and get on stage turned into me learning how to be what you're talking about, start the process of being a better communicator. And I remember also listening to some other leaders of, of the speaking world say how important the voice was and just the use of your voice versus what you're saying. And so I realized like, okay, I can be more dynamic if I learn how to use my voice and make sounds and have fun with it and change the tones and the ups and downs while also using fantastic words and word choice um, and taking people on a ride. And that's how I looked at it. And so what I realized that I was doing now looking back is I was stacking these things together. I was, I was really putting them all together, but I wouldn't realize what it was doing and it, there's more to it. So hold on here. Um, I didn't realize I was compounding these skill sets, these voice abilities in real time because it felt stupid and dumb. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? It's an old video of me where I was in UNOV's theater and I run out on stage and I'm like, da, 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 and I'm practicing my speech and I'm like practicing diesel bubs and these different, you know, tongue twisters and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, man, one day I'm going to be there. I just swear this is ridiculous right now, but I'm going to get there, man. It's going to be good. And so practice like that every day, right? I just committed to that because I realized how powerful the tool was of the voice. I was just sold on certain things. Some some certain things sold me. And then the blessings happened, right? I got better at that. I just, I had an on-ramp in communication. And then, like I said, I went out and started traveling the country speaking. And that mentor that brought me in, two of the biggest things that he taught me at the time, um, one of them I'm still working on a lot, but the first thing he's like, the power of your language and your communication will dictate the quality of your bank account, the quality of your relationships, the quality of your life, quality of your career, your all of it. He's like the quality of your language. And I said, okay, all right, all right. And the other thing was passive income, like get passive income, right? And he's, he was very successful. He's very, very wealthy and uh, does well, really, really, really well. But that language thing stuck with me. And at that time, as you can imagine, I had this compounding effect of the act of uh, the acts and the activities of what that previous coach had done for me and turning me around from just trying to be a better speaker um, to now. All right, well, this thing is amplifying. I'm actually going to be on stage now. It turned into more outcome-based language. So I bought three books. I literally bought three books because I went to the internet and I said, well, what is, what are the best language books? And I started realizing that it was in the way that marketing copy was written. It was in the way that pieces of work were done that talked about things that would result in, right? And it just so happened that around the same time, I was also realizing that you know sales was a lot of talking about what it would do on the other side. And so I bought three books, phrases that sell, words that sell, and more words that sell. And they're in, in the other room, but I literally bought those books and they're like, you know, small little thin books, but they have pages of phrases. And so the phrases were all outcome-based and I would go through every day. I'm talking for two plus years, every single day, I would read those pages out loud. And then what I would do is I would take a phrase from one page and they would have a dot, dot, dot. I would go and I would then write a different phrase from a different page onto the end of the first phrase with a dot, dot, dot. And I would combine the phrase from page 27 to page two. And then I would go out and I would then do it with the other ones and I would reverse them. And then I would go through them. I would go through them with the original phrase and I'd add the extended phrase 
And then I was coming up with new language patterns. And what was happening was I was sitting there and I was coming up with words. Like this was the spectacular part, Stephen. I would start saying words where I don't even know where they came from. And I was like, did I just say that? And then I would go back. I, 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 dude, I kid you not. I would go back to the dictionary. I'd be like, I just said this word. What the hell does it mean? And I would look it up. Dude, I would look it up. And it made sense. It like it, dude, it made in the context, it made sense. And I was, I was dumbfounded. I was like, wow. Okay. Like that's just the genius of the brain. Right. So it's like somewhere in there, it just had this ability. And I think all I was doing was activating it. And I was activating because I was practicing every single day and I was taking what I learned before and I would say the word and I would, I would, I would play with it. So then I would go down the next page on that same book then I would interact with them. And by the way, I would also write these things out. So then I would erase and I would change words and I'd say it. And so I was just constantly flipping. Then there were pages that had dot, dot, dot or commas and it could be continued. I would come up with them on my own. So now it was like, I'd read the first thing and then I would go in my head and I would create the ending without reading the ending. And so I was forcing my mind to communicate based off of this outcome-based language that I was practicing every single day. And because of that, dude, I, I woke up one day and I was like, and by the way, I thank you for the compliment, but now people literally come to me and they're like, dude, how do you communicate with people? And I'm like, I, I just, I feel like at this point, it's just downloaded. It just comes up from above and it comes through me. Um, and people pay me a lot of money to, to communicate, like literally. And it's, it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, man, I didn't do too much. I, I didn't really you know, there's nothing special about what I did there outside of just going and like following these core ideas and trying some stuff out and rehearsing and practicing it every day to the point where, you know, in everything that I did while I was practicing in every conversation that I would have, I was practicing those words. I was using those same types of phrases. I would stop and think about what word I want to use here. I wasn't just so fast with it and slowing myself down. Um, and, and by the way, what added fuel to this, just so you know, what added fuel to that was the stressing environments that I was in getting on stage and speaking as a stressful position to be in when you've never done it before. Right. So not only was I practicing the daily rehearsals and routines of one, all, all again, the bezel buzz, the pride and prejudice and those exercises. And then I got in tune with the language that I was just saying, how I wrote it all out on those three books. And then I was able to go on stage and put the pressure on myself and realize like, this is where I get a chance to do my practice runs and my stand-up comedy runs in essence, where before I go out on the main stage to do the big jokes, I got so many at-bats there that it helped speed up that learning curve, right? And so I was fortunate in that situation. And then I translated it into sales calls when you cold call or when you're just talking to somebody, and you can connect with them because you're just pulling information. Like you're just having a conversation. And um, yeah, man, I just, I just, that was it. It, it was literally that simple. And, and that transformation happened over a couple of years to where um, it, 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 it proved itself so powerful that it's that simple. Yet that arguably is one of the biggest things that's changed my life. It just, I mean, just, I just did a podcast yesterday. The guy comes to me, we just met. He's like, dude, you're one of the best communicators I've ever had. I'm like, I really don't. Okay. Thank you. You know, I get it, <laughs> but, um, it doesn't seem so distant from just 
normal practice of doing something every day, man. And again, I added fuel to that. I was fortunate to be on stage every day, podcasting every day, right? Those types of things that you can do regularly that just power it, push it forward, man. So um, hopefully that helps, man. Hopefully that people can take that and like literally go. Um, there's something special about tongue twisters too. I'm telling you right now, I do them still. I do them still like, and it frees my brain up, frees my brain up. Cause my brain has always been interlocked. Like my brain has, I think it's been burnt to hell because of all the drugs and all the stuff I did and drinking for a decade. So I've got to free it up again, free it up, free it up. So it's not been the easiest thing, but it it's, it's been effective. So, um, yeah, man, that's a fun one. I'm glad you asked I, that. I, I don't think you, you said it was fairly easy, but basically what you described is you, you, you put your, you developed a habit over the course of two, two and a half years where it was priority. It wasn't, you know, I'm not saying you didn't go out and have fun. You didn't watch TV or play a video game or whatever, whatever it is you do for fun. But the, this habit was priority. That sounds like to me over everything else, like this had this one habit had to happen. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, when it comes to certain things, that's, that's the challenge. You have to get over yourself. You have to, in, in essence, I think you have to break yourself so that you can insert this new habit. So you can start developing your skill. Would you, would you say that's pretty accurate to you? Yeah, I, I absolutely, man. I, I, I definitely agree with the whole habit concept. I think people are habitual. They don't know they're habitual. They're doing things that, that I think they try to separate themselves from the thing they're doing, which is just normal, but it's a habit. And they try to do something that is in a different direction. And they say, well, I don't have the right habits, but it's like, you just have to shift your habit energy. Like you're just redirecting it. Mm -hmm. Right. But then again, if, if this other thing isn't worth creating or building on, then you're probably not likely to do it. And so, yeah, you're right. In that case for me, I mean, look, there's things I could do better. Obvious, always, right? I mean, I'm not, I have, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. I am a much better massive action taker than I am a habit person. I still have habits that I need to build and work on. Dude, I, I, I partied for a decade in Las Vegas and was up till eight, nine, 10 the next morning, high on cocaine and drugs. And to this day, Sometimes I don't get up at the hours I want. I still want to stay up late. Like I'll be up late tonight working and then I'll want to get up at five in the morning and I get it. People are going to be out there. They're going to say, dude, you got to stick to it. You got to commit to it. I'm like, I get it, but I'm effective in the other window that I have because I'm just doing a lot of stuff. I'm creating, I'm building, I'm taking the actions that are necessary. And I believe that is in my case, that has been the most important thing for me. Now, of course, I always want to keep improving the habits and all these other pieces because I think it will, it will just add more to it. But um, from that perspective, you know, I'm not going to tell you like I've got the habits routines down and I'm all this <laughs> stuff. Like I'm habitually taking some serious action and doing work, man. Like that's for sure, right? Like that's a habit by itself. So I think it's just about determining what it is you're trying to to get going and um, identifying the importance of that towards a vision. If you've got one, a vision that matters. And the there's there's certain things in life that are more leverage creators. 
and figuring out what your leverage creators are, right? So big people, big successful people, big network, massive leverage, like talk about leverage, right? So for me, huge leverage, um, being able to communicate like, dude, I can go anywhere. Put me on a stage, put me on a podcast, put me on a sales call. I can, you need someone like me leverage, right? Um, so think about that in your own life for what it is you're working on. And then sales in general, by, by the way, sales skills and really good at it is leverage. Dude, never have to think about a job if you got nothing, right? If you had to go to zero again, you can always get a sales job type of thing. So um, now there's different levels of that game too, right? So now you talk about money leverage and business leverage and all that stuff. So it's like, it's all orientation towards what it is you're working on. And so, um, yeah, I just stand by those things tremendously. So hopefully that's, that's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I'm right there with you. You know, like, uh, so getting up in the morning, I get up at four o'clock in the morning every morning, no matter what. It's it's, it's just the way I've, I'm trained. And but going to bed, that's where I struggle, mm -hmm. because you know my entire military career, I go to bed at midnight, get up at four, you know. And yeah, to this day, I'm getting older, man, and it's getting harder to function. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, not, that's the other thing, so, right? Yeah. So Are I'm mean, eating well, like, taking care of yourself. Do you, I mean, that stuff matters too, man, right? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, for me, it's the habit of just going, forcing myself to go to sleep, to, to just shut down and go to bed. And what really sucks is it's like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. I'll mm -hmm. go to bed at 9 30, 10 o'clock and I'll lay there and play on my phone. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, dude, I could have been working. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. such a waste of my time. Anyway, so uh, we're almost out of time, but I, I really want to ask you this question. Um, you, when you started your communications training with, with that first coach in Vegas and, and just all throughout your career, how hard has it been for you personally to just humble yourself and realize that you don't you don't have the answers that's why you're getting coached and that you know you, you just need to shut up and listen what was that a hard process for you actually not no, no? you know what, what no one one of my one of my leading personal virtues internally is always humility and vulnerability right i mean and and again I don't know where or when I picked that up, but I do know that when I found it, it stuck with me and I apply it in all things that I do. And by the way, it helps me in what I do better, right? So if I lead with the fact, it's like, I'm one of us. We are part of the same mortal life. And while I do things differently, I don't want to forget where I come from. I don't want to let my feet get so high off the ground that my head goes with it and I think I'm bigger, better than. And so even in the, in, in the most extreme cases, like when I'm in environments where, you know, for all intensive reasons, like, you know, people think I'm doing something more than them, better than them, bigger than them. I understand. I go back to that situational awareness in the beginning where it's like contextually what environment who's around me, what's going on. Like I can assess pretty quickly that this person is sensing that, they're in a different environment. And so I, I make sure that I part of part of my skill set is to make sure that that guy feels like he's cool, man. He's one of me, right? So I can go there with them in that in that situation. And so 
that has never been a challenge for me. Maybe when I was high and drunk back in the day, I had that because I wasn't really exploring who I was inside. But now that I've gone that path, I mean, I'm I'm fully, I'm fully in position to to you know lay it down on the line how it is, and without without missing a beat, man, can can lead with extreme humility, man, just point blank, right? It's it's easy for me at this point. That's awesome. Uh, I need to, to, to develop that skill because I'm not a very humble person sometimes. And that, that can make it hard to coach me because it's like, and, and I don't think it's a matter of humility. I think it's more of, I just want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not learning fast enough. I'm not doing fast enough. Let's go faster, faster, faster. And of course, the coach knows better usually. And it's like, no, just slow down. But yeah, I, that's why I asked because I really sure. struggle with it. So I was just wondering how about you. So practice, man. We're, we're, yeah, right. We're pretty much out of time. So you you get the the same treatment as every other guest on my podcast. You know, just one piece of wisdom off the top of your head. What's the most valuable piece of wisdom you can share with anybody out there? Valuable piece of wisdom. Hmm. You know, I, I think that one of the things that set me off is part of just, you know, the, the, the recycling of my life and understanding it, talking about my mom passing away when she was younger, by the way, she was 32 when she got cancer and passed away. So I believe that now is, it's, it's the idea that life is meant to be lived now, this idea that you're holding yourself back that you have these disbeliefs and these doubts. And I understand it because I have them um, that they grip you so tightly and, and so severely that you're almost, you feel immobile. You can't do anything else. Um, I want to remind you that that's, that's understandable, but don't let that, determine the decisions that you make and the actions that you take in order to move your life forward because those identities are conditions that have been pawned off to us by experiences of life that if you could rewrite the entire script literally and it was that easy just to erase and rewrite that would not be what it is that you're doing or what you would want to be living into and so on the conditions of that What's inside of you is that it is conditioning. That it's not who you truly are. You can rewrite that story. And the other thing is that you know the promising of life. It's like yeah, we spoil ourselves and think that tomorrow we're going to wake up. And I get it. But I think in losing my mom and having that car wreck when I was much younger taught me that it's time to go now because life is not there for everybody. For me, I realized that I was almost killed in that car wreck and that my mom died at 32 years old from cancer. And so internally to your point, by the way, like I want now, and I have to realize that there's time that takes to get things to go. And so because of that, it's like creates this dissonance inside of us that it's like frustration, but then it's like, whoa, I'm a lot further ahead. I'm not the same person I am that I used to be. And so we start to formulate a new expectation for what it takes in terms of, like I said, at the inner peace, it's important. So those two things, man, I think that you, you, you got to, you got to sit with yourself for a second and say, look, is it, is it fair to myself that I want 
something that I'm not getting right now. But the reality is, is like, I'm just holding myself back as strong as it feels and as strong as the experience is right now, that maybe I can interpret that as it's, it's just a non-issue because it's not. And the idea is it's bust through, break free, go forward and take those actions to get yourself out of that condition. And lo and behold, you might end up discovering something about yourself where you're like, wow, like this is, this is the journey that I'm supposed to be on. And that's, that's really where you start to find a level of bliss and, and just, just a anointed amount of peace and happiness. Not to say won't your life and journey won't be riddled with more challenges, depending on how big you want to play. But truth is, is that you're on the path. And when you get on that path, it's, it's a good feeling because you're not stuck in the same mud you were from before. So that would be it, man. I mean, that's, um, you know, a lot of people I think struggle with that. And, you know, I think, um, you just do it despite the fears, right. The old courage adage, you know, I can talk about all that stuff. It's just keep it simple. Keep it simple too. Like simplify stuff, make it easy. Yeah. I totally agree with keeping it simple. I, people overcomplicate things so much and yeah, drives me nuts. So, um, uh, so my listeners want to work with you or just want to learn more about you. Uh, first of all, uh, what is, what is, what, uh, what do you offer? What do, what are you offering, uh, to, in order to help people get to where you are or to where they want to be? Yeah. So my main focus right now, Stephen, is, is I'm not selling anything like literally, um, I make my money selling people's stuff, other people's stuff. Like that's how I, I make a living. Um, so I've got the always on the grow hosting doc, I would say that has lots of the trainings that I've done. I've been paid lots of money to do um, that different leaders in their departments have brought me in to, to train on. Um, I've put all that stuff in a system for free. You can literally go and put in your name, phone number, and email, make sure you hit the subscription button because I'm going to send you some cool emails um, on top of that with some great value. And so where I'm at today is I'm not competing on selling stuff and where I'm at personally, I'm competing on giving away what I know for free and building the brand of which you see behind me. So go to alwaysonthegrow.com and uh, you'll see a couple of click through buttons and then go to the growth tools tab. And then you can, um, you can log into the system there and get access to all the free stuff that I've put in there including my book that has my full story and journey and uh, transformational path on there as amongst many other things. And then the podcast, man, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully going crazy on the podcast. If not just today, but forever. Um, I got a huge vision around that. And so, you know, if you guys want to go check that out, that would be huge. Give me a like, listen, subscribe, review, rate, all that good stuff. Uh, and that's just always on the grow with Manny Vargas. So on all channels, you can't miss it. Make it simple for you guys. Come on now. A hundred percent. And of course, I'll have links to all your stuff in the show notes. And I, I can vouch. I, I'm a member of Manny's uh, 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 little subscription thing he's got going on. And it is 100% complimentary. And uh, it, it, he has a, I haven't even, I don't even think I've scratched the surface. You, you opened it up, what, three weeks ago? Recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not too and, long ago, and, man. Uh, I've, I've spent several hours in there and I, I don't even think I, I've got through like 5% of what you got in there. There's so much. 
So hey man, it's great. It's great stuff though, man. Loving that's it. That's the key. That's the key. How can I bring you some more great stuff? Right on. So <clears throat> all right, everybody. Like I said, his links will be in the show notes to all his socials and his website and podcast. And make sure you go check him out. And uh, he is Manny Vargas. I am Stephen Morris. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks, Stephen. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Renowned Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Manny and about this inspiring story and his amazing journey and the valuable leaderships le- leadership lessons he's learned along the way. And don't forget to check out Manny's website, alwaysonthegrow.com, for all the free resources he has for you to learn from. And for more information about our group coaching program at Renowned Leadership, visit our website, renownedleadership.com. That's R-E-N-O-W-N-E-D, leadership.com. And remember, for a limited time, use coupon code COACHING360 at checkout, and you'll get your first month of group coaching with all the benefits it has to offer you absolutely free. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. No one does it better.